Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anytime during my 10 years, I could do this. na 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 that's power. That's power. Oh, man. down to Hartman's foot. Here's the snap. The ball is down. The kick is up. And it's gone. Wolfpack wins. It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks, welcome to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Uh, Sands Amedios this week. Uh, we did not go on site at the uh, lovely Italian restaurant Amedios in Raleigh, but uh, Matt is with me this week via Skype. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? Doing all right, James. Good to have you, and glad you were willing to make a little time to, you know, still put out a show for this week. Um, yeah, we're, men, we're men of the people, right? <laughs> we are. We are. Uh <laughs> Yeah, we we didn't do a show at Amedias this week because my daughter had a, a Christmas recital at uh, school with the rest of the third grade class. Shout out to Willow Springs Elementary, the Fighting Bengals. I think pretty much every school in the uh, Fuquay High area, School. Right? Yeah, every just for, yeah. it's like Fuquay Middle is the Bengals, Willow Springs <laughs> is the Bengals. It's you're on a Bengal track pretty much from the jump, right. um, but. Uh, she did great, and uh, I was glad I was able to be there, so I appreciate you guys letting me take a night off from the live show to go be there for her family, and that's what the holidays are for. It's for spending time and being there for your family. So Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, today was not uneventful uh, as far as recruiting is concerned. Uh, it was the announcement date for a pretty big target uh Literally and figuratively, um, De- <laughs> yeah. Dexter Lawrence, uh, defensive tackle from Wake Forest High School. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, was down to uh, State, Clemson, and Alabama. Uh, I think were the mm-hmm. three that he officially mentioned were his uh, choices. Uh, he ultimately ended up deciding to go uh, to Clemson. Um, you know, Clemson's just having... Uh, they're in just a, a, a great run as far as performance on the field and off the field as well. Um, you know, it's um, and Matt, obviously, you're kind of our uh, go-to for recruiting, so maybe you can speak to just how close of a decision it was. But um, talk about Dexter and you know the the kind of kid he is and and what kind of a uh, special type of talent he would have been for NC State had he decided to run with NC State. Yeah, um, it's definitely fair to say it was very close. Um, almost no, there were no sources, no anything. Usually somebody at least comes out after and they say, oh, well, I knew all along, I kept it quiet. No one even did that, um, which is both a you know testament to you know how well he hit it and the fact that it really was a close race. Um, in the aftermath of it, it kind of sounds like he had made up his mind on Clemson about a week ago. He had already set the state official visit. Um, which was this past weekend. weekend, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons for optimism for that was he's he was obviously you know elected to go to the Shrine Bowl, which is if you don't know the game between North Carolina seniors and South Carolina seniors um, that ben- benefits charity and everything. It's a pretty big event to get invited to. Obviously, is the top five player in the st- in the um, country. He you know was m- more than qualified for that, and he actually put off playing in that and going to it. Um, the practices and everything. I don't think he's going to end up playing in it. Um, but he did all that to visit Raleigh. Um, and you know, that's usually a good sign. Um, <laughs> you would think, mm-hmm. you know, put off a big honor like that to visit, visit a school. Um, which means, you know, he, he at least was giving state a fair shake. No one can complain about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like he had a, he had a visit in, to Clemson in the summer that apparently didn't even seem like it went well. It like had all kinds of things wrong, but he really, really loved it. And then he went on a visit for when they played Florida state. Um, and I guess that went well enough too. um, He's from Wake Forest. I, I can't remember if you covered that. Mm-hmm. He is. Um, I have seen him play. I got to cover a game, doing stats for News and Observer, um, and he is ginormous. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Wake Forest has some big kids, and he was still easily the biggest. I mean, he he really does run kind of like a middle linebacker. Um, wow. you know, he's he's a big kid. He's strong. He's very 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 mild mannered, but he you know puts it out in the football field. He really didn't like the recruiting. Like I said, there's a reason nobody knew. Um, his family didn't even know who he was going to pick until this morning. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it was very unique recruitment. Um, usually something comes out of coach knows or um, he didn't. And I don't know if you want to see this as a negative or not, but he did not tell either coaching staff before he made the decision. So state coaches did not know. Um, generally that's kind of a courtesy call you make. He, it, you know, he's a 17 year old, 18 year old kid. I'm not really going to hold that against him. Um, you know, we don't all know our social graces at that age, um, or sometimes any age. Um, but he's a really good kid. Um, I, you know, Clemson's obviously deep on the defensive line. I don't know how much he'll play as a freshman. I'm sure he'll play. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. I don't, but you know, even though state has a good defensive line, he'd have probably walked right into, you know, being one of the top performers on that unit. Um, it would have been a game changer for state more so just, Hey, we just landed a top five kid in the country um you know hey kids are coming to play for us at this level um Mm -hmm. rather than his immediate impact on the field which would have you know obviously been significant um you know they state has actually recruited up until this year now pretty much the best defensive player at least in one on one site or the other um in the state the last two years the two previous years and got them um, so, you know, in Contavia Street and there in Roseboro. So right. can you imagine having three, those three guys all on the same defensive line? <laughs> yeah. Have been huge. Um, so it is a big loss in that it is at least at a position that state is already relatively strong, but to be a national, you know, be in the, the conversation for best units in the country, you know, that would have been something where they needed Dexter and he could, you know, he could have as big, you know, 330 pounds, they could have put him on the end. He would, he's you know, that good where he could have, you know, made an impact there. Well, I was going to ask you if you felt like he um, was more of a kind of a space-eating defensive tackle or would he play end? Um, he's he's kind of both. He uh-huh. can really – and he's, he's skilled enough where he could probably play anything mm-hmm. on that line. Well, yeah, I agree with you. It would have been a huge gift for State. And, um, you know – this is, uh, I guess, the end of year three for for Dorn. Mm-hmm. This is kind of that um, window of time where, I guess, the coaching staff, you know, you kind of, 
Um, you know, it, it's not uncommon to see, I guess, coaching staffs have, um, you know, a good bit of recruiting momentum early on because nobody really knows. Like, there's there's a ton of optimism, but until, you know, teams actually start uh, playing, it's it's tough to know if a lot of the talk of, you know, elevating this particular program to the next level will come true. So it's it's, mm-hmm. it's easier to, I guess, maybe sell a new program, especially if you're, you know, selling it on the idea of you can be the guy that kind of helps turn it around. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're in year three, and, and you're right. If we had, in, after year three, landed a guy of his caliber, it would have shown that we were still having a lot of positive recruiting momentum. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know that losing out on him, you know, there's no shame in losing out to a Clemson or, right. I mean, if it's you, Clemson, and Alabama are your final three, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a good uh, final uh, yeah, grouping good, to good. be in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, so it, there's no real shame in that, but um, yeah, maybe, if, you know, like to speaking to your point, it feels maybe like a little bit of a missed opportunity to kind of prove that we still had a ton of positive recruiting momentum and you know um it would have opened up the eyes of other potential recruits i'm sure um maybe you know some other defensive players uh to flesh out the back end of the defense because you're you're right it it feels like we've got uh maybe a little bit of an embarrassment of riches at the defensive line with street and roseborough and some other very talented guys but to have you know a, a line that could compete with one of the best in the country you know, if you're a defensive back or a linebacker, who wouldn't want to play behind, you know, a group like that where they're, right. you know, disrupting things and getting pressure on the quarterback very quickly um, makes your job a lot easier, no doubt. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which is funny because it's kind of struggled recruiting linebackers recently. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, um, I won't go so far as to say that, um, you know, I feel like it's, a huge loss. I, I I was following your reaction, Matt, because I wanted to kind of gauge, you know, your thoughts on, you know, not only did we have a legit shot at getting the kid, but mm-hmm. what does missing out on him mean for for State's program? Um, you know, and you in the moment uh, were kind of disappointed. I think that we didn't get him, and and it kind of meant that, um, you know, State might be relegated to kind of. Uh, keep its same lot <laughs> as far as being in uh, a middle of the pack ACC mm-hmm. team. Um, I won't go that far, but I can, I guess I can see where you're, you're coming from with, you know, it's, it's a, um, it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario where to get the elite talent, you need to prove that you can win. Yeah. How do you prove you can win without elite talent? Right. And that's, I mean, there's a few coaches who can do that. It's few and far between, um, you know, like Bill Snyder and some of, you know, some of those guys that are just, you wonder what they do each year. Um, and it's, I guess my point is, you know, and if you look at, I mean, even though granted, you know, Tom O'Brien would lose to some bad things, but he did occasionally, you know, he did beat Clemson. He did beat Florida mm-hmm. state. Um, you know, Louisville wasn't in the conference at the time, but Doran hasn't proven able to do that. Um, I think he builds a lot of his program, you know, his whole idea is to get the best players and kind of go from there. Not that he's a bad coach, but I think for him, that's going to be what's needed. Um, right. And I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from in that sense is like, if you, if you're, if you're selling yourself on the idea of being a recruiter first and then a coach second, 
and yeah. and you're not closing guys like this. Right. Then, then are you- I mean, his mom desperately wanted him to go to state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, it's part of the thing is like, wow, you know, you know, with a huge advantage in your back pocket, kid being 20 minutes away, mom wanting him to go there. Um, his brother has a chance to go to state. I don't know if he'll get recruited at Clemson or not. It, I guess that's where the disappointment sets in is it's mm. kind of like, okay, so what do we have to do to get a good player? Like, does right. it have to be Julius Hodges and Nate Irving's kids? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, guys that love state and bleed, you know, completely bleed Wolfpack red. So I guess that's kind of where I stood on that is kind of like, okay, now like what in the world do we have to do? Um, how are we going to get to that next level? We're not beating. It's not like we're beating good teams and generating the interest that way. So what's next? <laughs> Yeah, um, I I do feel uh, I guess until until I see this team take a huge step backwards or not a huge mm-hmm. step, but even a noticeable step backwards, um, uh, you know, I'm still going to remain optimistic that you know the the building process is still underway, um, mm-hmm. and it's not sexy. It's certainly not uh, you know. When you walk into a kid's house and say, you know, hey, we're we're still trending upwards, doesn't have the quite the same ring to it as you know yeah. we knocked off the number three team in the country or you mm-hmm. know we, we pulled a stunner. You know, look at this videotape of Carter Finley erupting after us beating right. you know, Clemson, and uh, so it, um, I do I do feel like you do in the sense that. Um, Dave Dorn desperately needs to get a signature win under his belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I mean, he has a chance in two weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. you beat Mississippi state and they're not top 15, but I think they're right on the edge of the top 25. They're an sec West team. I mean, that's, that's actually a huge win. And that does, mm-hmm. that would actually, you know, create quite a bit of, uh, I think optimism going forward. Yeah, and you know Dak Prescott is a name in Mm -hmm. the college football world. So if you can shut him down somehow and um, best him in in this bowl game, uh, then yeah, it would be a huge step for this program. Um, Yeah, it. um, I don't know. It. it, I. I. uh, I find myself, you know, trying to avoid that temptation of oh man, you know, here we are. It's year three, you know, we are, it feels a little bit like a crossroads, you know, where is this team headed? And I'm, I don't want to go down the path of negativity because it's, it seems uh, an easy thing to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, our past track record has, you know, borne out that, you know, a lot of times things don't pan out that, you know, the, the Chuck Amato era uh, at yeah. the end of, Year three, uh, Phillips junior year. I mean, I thought we were just going to set the world on fire. You know, we were going to get mm-hmm. a, another quarterback in, just like Philip, and the, the defense <laughs> would be great. And I mean, the defense was great the following year, or, or yeah, me, two yeah, years the best ago. in the country. It was yeah. the, it was the year after Phil graduated. Yeah, but um, that Gator Bowl win had me believing that we were going to, you know, take off and the moon would be our next destination. But um, mm-hmm. you know, things didn't pan out that way, and. I'm not. I'm certainly not saying that that's the case here with with Dave Dorn and this football team, um, but you know it's um, it, the the uh, when the honeymoon phase, uh, if if we're still in it, 
mm-hmm. is coming to a close. Yeah. Um, and 2016 is going to have to be a year where Dorn, you know, does pick up some wins that, um, you know, uh, prove that if you have equal talent or maybe even, you know, uh, a smidge below that you can out scheme, out coach, um, steal a win from and the develop team. players too. Mm-hmm. That's a big, big part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like Jacoby showed much better accuracy down the field throwing the ball. And there were some other players that, that showed some development. I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of uh, some guys. Maybe Jack Tocho took a step back this year. Yeah. Um, he you did. Know. Josh Jones a little bit too. Um, yeah. But some players took steps forward, and there were some freshmen that played. Um, yeah. You know, pretty admirably. I'd say Contavious Street, I mean, as talented as he was, he took a big step this year. Mm. Um, he's not getting a lot of sacks, but he's making a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, he's forced a couple fumbles. You know, just, so, th- I mean, there, there are some guys that have stepped up. I mean, Matt Days was by no means a superstar coming out of high school. He was, you know, fairly wanted by schools, but, you know, he's obviously turned into a heck of a running back. Mm-hmm. Um, Des Kitchings has clearly done a good job with. Um, you know, Shad before he was off, Matt Days. I mean, Dequay Nichols and Gillespie both look, you know, pretty solid. They're not Matt Days level, but you know, they're also fresh, you know, freshmen and sophomore. So right. I mean, I had no idea who Dequay Nichols was uh, before the season started. When right. He, when he I only showed knew up. that because I followed recruiting, so I know all the players. But that's yeah. literally it. I didn't know if he was going to be any good or anything yeah. beyond that. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, if you're out there and you're thinking, you know. Uh, missing out on uh, Lawrence or or any big recruit or the recruiting rankings is indication that this team's starting to fizzle. It's a little premature for that. Um, and you know, recruiting wise, Matt, you, maybe you can speak to this. You know, are there some players that could you know land in this class that could you know turn the tide and maybe bump us up a few notches, fill out some areas that we have some need. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few. Um, as I, most people that at least are on Twitter know that Kelvin Harmon from New Jersey may it sounds like he briefly committed to state um, before he decommitted from South Carolina. Um, he's unrivals. He's a four star. Everywhere else, I think he's a three. But you know, it's for state. That's a pretty good recruit to be bringing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll probably end up in the class if he doesn't wait too long. Um, he kind of stepped back and was like, I want to. So have a top five and sort things out. You never know what the actual story is, but they're in it with him. Um, DeAndre Overton's a huge talent. He's from Greensboro. Sounds like he, I mean, he had, took an official two weeks ago. Um, and I mean, I hate to have a familiar refrain, but it sounds like he's probably going to Clemson, but state is the only other school once again, mm. um, that's really in it for him. Now there's a chance they could, Clemson could say, hold up, maybe we're not ready to take you yet, or, you know, never, you never know, um, and if so, State would be the school that he would end up at, and he's, you know, a consensus four-star kid, he's a good basketball player, his brother was a great player at ECU, um, you know, wide receiver is obviously a position where there's a bunch of kind of average players there right now, mm-hmm. um, and he could be a guy that could come in, I, I know the coaches have been telling him, you can come in and you will be on the field day one making catches, um, so that you know, anytime you can get a freshman in like that, that's a pretty good step. Um, there's not a whole lot of you know. I guess that's why the Lawrence one kind of hurt because there's not a whole lot of like high level guys that you're like, 
wow, this guy's going to play right away. That state's looking strong for, but there's, you know, there's some more of the, the high three star kinds of guys. There's, you know, they'll probably take one more defensive back. They're in on three pretty good ones. Um, they've, you know, they've gotten a few decent ones lately. Um, there's a lineman from Virginia, Josh Ball. He's committed to Florida State, but he's he's another one like Dexter, where his family really wants him to stay close. And mm-hmm. Virginia would, you know, couple out two three hours from you know where he lives in Virginia would be kind of maybe a compromise. He's visited state several times. Um, you know, he could be one of those guys that gets cold feet at the last minute and pops over. Um, that'd be a nice you know tackle book. You know, some bookends with him and McGirt in the coming years mm-hmm. um, from last year. So, you know, there's a few guys. I'm trying to think if I can think of any more. There's, um, you know, there's some lower-rated guys that are that remind me maybe of, like, the Jalen Samuels type. Not that necessarily that good, but, like, Rico Dowdle from Asheville. He, you know, he didn't really have any offers until about midway through his senior season in Boston College and Wake Forest and Vanderbilt offered. But then State offered. Um, Tennessee and South Carolina are involved. He's visited State. He's a quarterback, but he's a running back, a receiver. Sounds like they kind of want him for the Jalen Samuels type of role of <laughs> – you know, hey, just get the ball and do something with it. Right. Um, so there's that. Then there's um, actually an intriguing one I just remembered is um, Randy Moss's son um, out of uh, North Carolina or out of uh, Charlotte. Uh-huh. He plays for Mallard Creek, which absolutely destroyed um, DeAndre Overton's team in the state championship. There, that was where Jalen Samuels went. Um, there's another player on the team. I just blanked on who it was. Um, but you know, Mallard Creek is a Big time program. Obviously, it's Randy Moss's kid. He plays tight end. He may want to play defensive end in college, though, um, which hmm. would be fine. I mean, those are both you know prime positions to have a good athlete. Yeah. Um, and he's really sounds like he's down to maybe like state and Arizona State, uh, maybe Texas A and M. He he likes the West Coast, but it sounds like more and more people want him. He kind of wants to be in in the area. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, um, Dave Dorn has very good. Um, relationships. Him and Eddie Faulkner, who's the Charlotte area recruiter, have really good relationships. And actually, he would be a uh, tight end coach if he were to be a tight end. Um, have really good connections at Mallard Creek. The coaches really like how states treated their players. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, you know that's a good thing about sincerity in coaching and recruiting is you know when another good player does come along, you have a good reputation. Um, so he he's actually a legit possibility. Um, outside of that, there's a lot of guys that are kind of on the fringes. Don't don't you know they visited but don't really know. It's been quiet. Um, mm-hmm. There's a defensive back on Friday that's committing between I believe Pitt, Pitt Rutgers and State Henry Miller. Um, he's from Riley Nicholson School in Florida. He's I think he's from the same school or he's from like a rival school or something like that in the area. Um, but he, if I had to guess, he would pick state. Um, and he's, you know, a mid range three star kid, but he's a tall corner, mm-hmm. um, built like an Amerson type and him. And then there's Carlos Becker, who's, who does go to Riley Nicholson's old school. Who's also a corner safety hybrid, but I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, fit in that many defensive backs in one class. So, you know, there's, there's a few names coming up. If they can get, you know, some of the guys, if they could get, say they get Randy Moss's kid, um, Henry Miller, Dowdle, right. um, from Asheville, you know, that would be, it would at least stem the tide a little bit, get some, um, you know, Kelvin Harmon, you know, it gets, that would be a nice little finish for the class. It wouldn't set the world on fire, but you maybe go into signing day thinking, okay, we got, you know, some, some kids that can at least play at this level. So, well, I, one of the big questions, um, or issues, I guess that, uh, Doran faced when he first got here was just simply 
putting together a roster of 85 competent you know, scholarship <laughs> yeah. athletes. Do you feel like we're getting to that point uh, after three classes? Yeah, yeah, it uh, is. Um, and there's always going to be random um, – I'm trying to think of the best way to put it – like separation between class talent, um, especially with – Coaching changes, um, you know, in the class of, I think it's the 2012, whatever O'Brien's last year was, um, I think there's only like five guys left on that, from that recruiting class. Right. And it was, it was, you know, that was like a top 45 class or something. It was a decent, I actually really liked it. It had a lot of three-star kids, but a lot of kids I liked. Um, uh-huh. And a lot of them didn't, either didn't pan out, got kicked off, or just transferred because of coaching change or whatever it was, um, it was a really we- it was almost literally a lost class. Um, the remaining guys from that class are like MJ Salahuddin, David Greenwich. Um, was it who Tooney worked out the, well? Was Tooney uh, in that last class? Tooney, I think, was in the class before. Okay, because um, he's graduating. But it was David Greenwich, um, MJ Salahuddin, um, and there's one more. I'm thinking Bryce Kennedy. So you know, like Greenwich is obviously a great player, but you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the other guys were just kind of. I think Niles Clark was in that class, um, and that's really about it. That's still participating on the team. <laughs> yeah, so that's a lot of guys to lose. Yeah, and you know, outside of Greenwich and Clark, you know, the other guys are really just kind of backups. And you know, Salahuddin's had injuries. Um, nothing you can do about that. But it was really lost class, and it kind of hurts your depth and hurts. It kind of makes makes the position. So, you know, um, just for example, like there were three seniors on the offensive line this year. Now it's going to hurt next year, but you know, Doran had some good guys coming in. They're just going to be really young. So there's going to be a big disparity. I guess that's what I was looking for earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in between ages. And sometimes it's nice Stanford and Wisconsin and them have done it where they just loaded up one offensive line class and they rode those guys for four years. Right. Um, you know, because communication talking is a huge part of offensive line play. You got to call out blockers. You got to sure. have someone who's kind of a leader and call them out. So it's nice to have things like that. Um, defensive backs, you know, there's like two sophomores and two seniors. So it's, you know, it's a little off. Um, so it's a, obviously it's up to the coaches to make it work, um, find guys that work well together as well as the best athletes. Yeah. Um, so next year, that's why I'm not sure what next year is going to be like because it's a mixed bag. You have a new quarterback. Um, you know, you have you're going to have probably some freshmen again playing on the offensive line. Um, the linebackers will still be kind of the same guys, which is nice. Defensive line be nice, but you know some of the key positions. There's going to be a big mix of you know maybe half of them are really experienced, the other half you have no idea what you're getting, um, and maybe the experienced guys weren't that great, but they're the best you got. So it's <laughs> that's what makes football so interesting to me is that you don't really there's so many moving parts it's really hard to tell. Yeah. Um, but I, I, to answer, I guess in a long way to answer your question is I do think the talent is getting better. Um, they do a good job of evaluating talent in high school and out of the camps. Camps are probably the biggest um, part of un- uncovering guys. That's, I mean, Tom O'Brien made his living off of that. Earl sure. Wolf had no offers. He was a camp guy. Hmm. Jalen Samuels for um, Doran, he had no offers. Tony Adams had none. Um, they did a really good job of recognizing some of those guys. So, um, you know, it, some of the lower ranked kids that they found this year, I'm sure one or two of them will pan out to be, you know, of that caliber. We just, it's no way to know. And it's hard to get excited when you don't hear all the analysts talking about it. <laughs> and yeah. I fall guilty to that all the time too. Um, cause I just assume they know better than we do cause that's what their job is. But it's, there's so many variables at play, but I, you know, I do think 
they're at least restocking. They're at least getting depth at the positions. There's, I don't think there's going to be a year where you look and you're like, holy crap, I don't even know who the starting whatever is. Yeah. And I guess that's what I was wondering is, are we, even if we're not loading up on, you know, four and five star kids or landing huge gets like mm-hmm. a Dexter Lawrence, you know, are we getting to at least a place where, um, you know, if we lose our, you know, the top two folks in one spot on the field, we're not suddenly throwing a walk on onto the field, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of happened with Thornton and Hayes this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. You had Gillespie in as a freshman. He looked really good for a true freshman, to be honest. Um, and then you know, Dequay Nichols was you know, no one really, like you said, you didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Um, and you know, they they didn't set the world on fire, but they were surely they were capable. Um, that hasn't been an issue yet. Now, quarterback, that's can be interesting just because the guys are so young. Like we said, there's a talent disparity. The guys that would have been, say, O'Brien had stayed and Jacoby didn't come, you know, there'd be we don't even know what the situation would look like. That one's not really on Doran. Um, I will not put that one on him. He, I think he did a good job getting McClendon and Jacoby Myers was a nice find. Um, they're just going to be young. So outside of that, I mean, I think you could pretty much look at the position chart and say, you know, there's really no walk-ons. Gavin Locklear got a couple catches this year at receiver for state, but you know, he's not, he seems like, you know, one of the, every team has, you know, one walk on, you're like, wow, how'd this guy get missed just because he was short or something? And he, he's that type of player. Um, yeah. So it, it's nice to not look. And, you know, sometimes you play Syracuse and they're on their fourth string defensive tackles. <laughs> and you're like, how the heck does this even happen? Um, and yeah. they're not, you know, they're, they're full of two stars. So it's it's nice to not quite be to that level. Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I have a, just because I'm not a huge recruiting guy, um, mm-hmm. But I, I have a, a, you know, at least a, an inkling of a remembrance of Clemson going through a phase where I remember, you know, they were, they, after Tommy Bowden left and Dabo came in, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dabo's first few years, you know, he didn't light the world on fire with his results on the field, but he at least was putting together some very good classes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it took, like you would expect, it took about four or so years for those classes to really start to pan out from a debt standpoint. And you saw that this year where, you know, they lost pretty much, what, their entire defense, it felt like. And then they, yeah. they returned. And they got better. <laughs> yeah, and they somehow got better. And and I'm not expecting that for NC State in the future, but it would be nice, uh, you know, with the continuity of the staff and some of the guys that they're bringing in. You know, if you lose a few guys to either – um, random attrition like you had Hines going to Yale or, you know, guys uh, who get, you know, career-ending injuries, God forbid, or just graduate. Some, some or, of them just don't even like to play. They realize they don't like to play football. There was a right. lineman for state. There were two of them, actually, the past year that were just like, I kind of just want to go to school. Yeah, <laughs> hey, God, I'm, God, I'm, I'm God dead bless serious. Them. They literally were like, can I just go to school here instead? And it uh-huh. happened. So, I mean, you know, that's that's where you lose players along the way, but mm-hmm. um, you know I, I I guess I'm in a roundabout way saying if you're out there and you're you're calling for change, um, think about what you're doing. You could wind up like EC, ECU is hiring <laughs> yeah. Take Duke's your choice. <laughs> yeah, uh, firing a guy and then trying to figure out what your options are. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I'm never one to call for a guy's removal before year five, anyway. Um, and I I certainly don't think I've seen anything from Doran that would warrant, 
you know, looking oh, forward to year five so we can get rid of them, that sort of thing. So Right. Yeah, I mean, you just got to stay hopeful. I mean, I have mm. a lot of questions, but by no means do I think the guy should be fired for making two bowl games in a row. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking, just, well, uh, speaking of ECU, you know, Canada was one of the guys that was rumored to be involved with mm-hmm. that job. In fact, I think he got an interview and then they moved on. Yeah. Um, where do you fall on that? Do you, would you have been excited to see Canada go or would you, um, <laughs> my, wh- what would you say? My mind has changed a lot on that. Um, I don't really like dislike the guy because I think, especially his, Every game, it seems like they start out with a pretty good offensive yeah. game plan. He's, he's got like a scripted Yeah, his script plan. is great. And then it's like as soon as something goes wrong, he goes, oh, crap, uh, let's just run horizontally. Um, and that, yeah. that's I guess that's the biggest thing for me is playing Clemson, playing Florida State, they try to run horizontally. And if you're not getting the Dexter Lawrences, you know, mm-hmm. over and over, getting those elite guys, I mean, you got Naheem Hines and – um, you know, like next year you see Johnny Frazier and stuff, but w- outside of that, you can't just run vertically or horizontally against teams that are way more athletic than you. Um, yeah. and I, I guess that got frustrating. I think he's a good guy. Um, he's, you know, did a good job with Jacoby. I mean, obviously Jacoby was the top 100 kid out of high school. It just didn't work out at Florida, but you know, he did a decent job with him. Um, I think he recruits okay. He's not really the lead recruiter on a lot of these guys, but, um, you know, he, he seems like a good guy. The offense hasn't been bad. Um, I just – and the timing of it with ECU making a move so late, I don't really know where State would have gone. Um, right. You know, they would have been beaten out for a few guys. Um, I'm okay with him. Um, and the same thing with Huxtable. I, I think they're okay. But the problem is how long can we accept okay and, what you know. Yeah. When do you kind of shoot for the moon? Um, I'm willing to give them another season, see what they can do. And then kind of assess from there. Um, they've been good guys. They've been loyal. The only interview that we know of was Canada interviewed for a head coaching job at a really good mid-major school. So I can't certainly can't fault him for that. They're not looking to jump ship or anything. Right. Um, so that's nice, and it brings stability. The kids know what they're getting into. Um, so I, I would have had mixed feelings. Um, I would have you know been happy for him, but kind of looked forward to see who they got, who we got. But um, I certainly wasn't. Like on my hands and knees praying ECU got him. Yeah, I guess if that's the way to look at it. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, if I if we were to lose a coordinator or have to start over, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, <laughs> on either side of the football, I would have rather it be defense. I felt like that was definitely yeah. our, our weaker side of the the football this year. Um, yeah, they, they, and they, the numbers, if you look at them, the numbers weren't too, too bad mm-hmm. on defense, but they weren't creating a whole lot of turnovers. Yeah. Um, and with an average offense which you really need is those turnovers um and they gave up big plays i mean that yeah. that, that stuff kills you um and, and i guess it kills you not just performance uh, in a football game but yeah it it also kills you as a fan to see you know right uh, <laughs> you know three great plays uh offset by a a long conversion for a third down or um you know uh, gosh, in that Carolina game where uh, we had Carolina stopped and then committed a stupid personal foul penalty and then right. the drive continues and they score two plays later. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, the personal fouls necessarily on the uh, hands of the defensive coaching staff, though, I mean, they do deserve some of the blame for not having their guys focused. I, it just, mm-hmm. it's, 
you know, if there was an Achilles heel for this team, I didn't feel like it was the offense. Um, I agree with you. I think sometimes Canada fell into a rut a little bit and sometimes certain players would disappear. Like, yeah, we, that was, that was the other thing too. You have y- David Greenwich who, I mean, I'm biased, but I honestly think he's probably one of the top two or three tight ends in the, um, ACC. And there'd be games where he didn't even see a pass come his way. Yeah. Or and we he, would, it didn't matter if he was covered or not. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I know later in the season we were without both, um, you know, Days and Thornton, but, um, right. you know, there were times where the running game would just completely dissolve away and, and there, um, it, uh, the Louisville game was, uh, I'm just thinking about was very frustrating from that yeah, standpoint. That, <laughs> that uh, speaking of long plays, the quarterback just running straight up the middle half the time. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. So, um, I, I could have lived with the, um, with Huxville, uh, being the, the coach that let's go. I think I saw some people joking that, um, we could have done a swap where it was, uh, you get Canada, we get rough and then, uh, you know, <laughs> go from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I have yeah. two defensive coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would do with that. Maybe we could have created us uh, one of those. What was that title we created for John Tenuto, where it was like the oh yeah associate, uh, associate assistant head coach something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you're you're pretty much just the linebackers coach, but we wanted yeah. to keep you around, so we gave you the assistant to the associate uh, to the whatever head right. coach. Um, the assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, that that was that was an interesting moment there during the uh, the coaching carousel where it looked like state might have uh, been forced to get another coordinator, but mm-hmm. uh, looks like we'll have everybody back for next year, and uh, we shall see. All right, um, we've we've talked a good bit of football, and so let's talk a little bit of basketball before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, South Florida was our only result to speak of during the week, uh, the exam week. So uh the uh pack traveled to sunny Tampa, Florida <laughs> to face the Bulls of USF and uh I listened to the game a little bit on the radio while I was out <laughs> doing some Christmas shopping with the family. Right. It sounded like it was taking place in a library. Um it was <laughs> yeah, very it might quiet. As well have. Uh, I could hear Godfrey yelling out specific words and instructions during the game. <laughs> um <laughs> Which is is always an interesting. Sometimes dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a hot mic can sometimes get you in trouble. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, state came away with a big win uh, there. I mean, um, USF just had a horrible night sh- or night, but day <laughs> shooting the basketball. They finished yeah. the first half, I think, almost shooting eighteen percent. Yeah, seventeen percent. Which is crazy. Which you know. Um, I saw some people say, well, I, I guess that means Godfrey can't coach defense. Or maybe just South Florida sucks on offense. Right. And those rims sounded like outdoor rims. I don't know <laughs> if that affected Because both teams couldn't shoot anything. It was like, when it would go in, like, uh-huh. you shouldn't be able to hear it like that. Right. It's, it should deaden a lot of the vibration when the ball hits. Um, I, I couldn't right. see it. Uh, maybe I'll go back if I'm bored and watch the game. But um, it uh, Just do it at night when you when you can't fall asleep. It, it was that like the does USF have their own basketball facility or were they playing in a like a pro faci- or like a just a convention center or something I, like that uh, in I, Tampa? It's it's called the Sun Dome. I think the it's Sun. like a general purpose arena. If that makes sense, right? 
like a Dorton type of thing. If that makes, <laughs> I think. I mean, obviously oh not to God. that extent, but you know what I mean. Where you know it's probably more it's like a Civic Center or something. Yeah, I guess because it. I know they've played there for a while, um, but it, it really doesn't look like a natural one hundred percent you know college basketball arena. You know, like a Fog Field House or even you know not even PNC, um, but. You know, it, it didn't have that feel. It really felt like a general purpose thing that, you know, people went to ice skating shows at and, you know, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I just pulled it up on Wikipedia. Um, built in 77, completed in 80. It's a multi-purpose arena, like you yeah. said. Um, yeah, it's it, it doesn't look... Yeah, maybe I don't know if it was the '70s or or '80s or maybe even '90s, there, but it seemed like there was a a trend of, hey, let's build a uh, Swiss Army knife of arenas that can <laughs> right. do everything uh, and not be good at anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the it's not a. I mean, for a ten thousand seat joint, this picture doesn't make it look too bad, but um, it it doesn't look like it has an intimate feel and right and, that's what i guess that's the point i was trying to make mm-hmm. so uh you know the rims suck the ball sucks whatever <laughs> yeah, they, were, they were the under armor balls that scott would <laughs> really nice yeah. <laughs> so that oh. was an uh, on point reference for you oh good i'm glad I, I think i saw steven throw that out and i was like i thought he was just noting on how bad the teams were shooting but uh it, it carried beyond the uh just the shooting percentage that's wonderful um yeah uh state come uh comes away with the what was it 65 46 i think i saw was the score there yeah. um bj anya had a big game um, yeah that was that was nice um career high in points he had five blocks seven rebounds seven of eight so. yeah and I don't want to jump straight into ne- uh, negative Nancy mode here, but that I mean, it kind of feels like these are the types of opponents where BJ has those sorts of games. Um, he had a big game, obviously, in the tournament last year against LSU. Yeah, he also uh, had a big game against Duke last year and a big game against. Um, he did well against Nova, but uh, Louisville, at Louisville, he played well. Right. So as I was saying, he has big games against big opponents and not right. players like. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Matt, for killing my, my point on that. Um, no, you're well, right. You're right. You're right, though, in a way. It, it's, it's, they're either the really good teams or the really bad teams. It's not, it, yeah. I'm not trying to like put, negate your point. I'm actually kind of trying to enhance it in, in a way in the fact that it's, it'd be nice to see this more often. I guess yeah. what we're both saying. Right. Is, yeah. Consistency. This could be even relatively consistent. Yeah, I mean, d- don't uh, don't just give us performances like this against you know teams that we know that you can perform well against in a South Florida, or mm-hmm. the against teams that you can get up for emotionally like you know Duke or you know uh, in the tournament, mm-hmm. you know bring it against High Point or Missouri, which we'll yeah. see in the coming weeks, or you know some of the teams that may be slotted against uh, or, or at or below you in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Godfrey desperately needs a consistent post scorer. Uh, I think Abu had a good game as well, a double double, if I heard correctly. He had eleven and fourteen. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was it's better than what he's been given the last few games. Sure, um, sure. He wasn't like hitting pull up threes and stuff, but he was a little more consistent. <laughs> he was running the floor well. 
I'm hoping his shot selection was better than it has been in recent games. Maybe it was that's, a little bit, yeah. Uh-huh. So um, maybe this was a little bit of a get right game for some of the the big men on on the team. And and I, you know, you have to guess uh, that you know Godfrey, based on what he said publicly, that he's been harping privately uh, with the front court guys that we desperately do need you guys to come along and, you know, yeah. uh, cat can't do it all himself. I think cat did play another 40 minute 40 game. Minutes, yeah. He sat for like the last eight seconds of the game or something <laughs> like that. Are you concerned any about burnout on yes, him? I am very concerned about burnout. I am too. Um, I know it, it luckily he had like, I think it was six or eight days or whatever it was, I guess eight days maybe between games, but and that's great in a vacuum. That's probably why he was able to go 40 minutes. But, and I know it sounds like, oh, you just play basketball for a living. You're in good shape. You can run for 40 minutes. But you, you, doing it 35 times, like you know, in a year, mm-hmm. it, it's a real thing. Um, it is. I know, like you and I, I think you know, whatever. We're sitting down talking about it, so we're not running. So it doesn't sound maybe not sound as tiring as it is. But I mean, he's playing point guard. He's not a spot up shooter that just stands on the wing 40 minutes a game. He's carrying the team for 40 minutes a game. Yeah, and you know there is a cumulative effect to playing that much in a given time frame, and um, you know the guys in the at the pro level do it uh, even more frequently. But they often will have almost like a second platoon that plays the start of the third quarter or yep. or parts of a, a quarter um, to give their guys you know measured amounts of rest. Right, um, which shows if the guys that literally do it all day every day. <laughs> Right. Can't do it. Then a kid who's trying to go to class, and he's got a daughter and family out of town. You know, a lot of a lot of other things going on. Um, yeah. You know, it's going to take some some uh, power off your legs. So I'm hopeful that as you know the season goes on, maybe he'll get an opportunity in uh, these coming games against High Point and Missouri uh, to, you know, uh. I don't. I guess you know you want him to rest. Um, I don't know. It's it's every player's different. Every every guy responds differently. But I, I like you am concerned about burnout, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's a it's it's valid when you see him you know playing forty minutes. You know, right? I I, I if I had the opportunity, I'd go through and count up through the box scores how many forty minute games he's had this year. But this isn't his first one. I don't believe he's had at least. Um, yeah, the LSU game he played like forty three or something. <laughs> right, right, and you know if you can, you know, also count games where he's played thirty eight or thirty nine minutes, and it's yeah, probably it's not much of a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's not much of a difference, but uh, there'd be a, a couple more in there. So we, you know, in addition to having our front court come along further, we also need to find a reliable backup point so that. Mm-hmm. And, and Cody is getting there a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember. It was a game, couple games ago. He had one where I guess it was whenever Cat got in foul trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was Bucknell game. They came in and I think they even increased the lead a little bit. Um, it's the only game he's not played more than thirty six minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody did all right, and you know I know it's going to be a while for Terry Henderson another at least month um, before he's back. But I'm assuming he can at least you know maybe between he and Cody they can bring the ball up um, and at least let him get down to thirty five a game. Um, yeah, you know maybe they'll put an extra game or two on his legs for the season. I mean his jump shot's been struggling so much as it is. I mean he was six of twenty, one of five from three. He had his first three of the season, and you know the ninth game. 
Ob- you know, obviously something. You know, I know he says he's, his wrist has been bothering him a little bit, but a lot of that has to do with tired legs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quick and light enough that he can get to the basket a lot, and he's making good plays. And he's doing a great job of that, and I'm not. I have no complaints with how he's played because he's because of exactly what we're talking about. Um, yeah. So I'm not complaining about that, but it is something that, you know, when you start playing Duke and Carolina, you know, he needs to be able to hit jump shots. And if, if he's dog tired, hmm. um, and he takes a lot of spills because he, you know, he takes a lot of charges. He tears into the lane on offense. Yeah. So. He's, yeah, he seems like he's always flying into the, the <laughs> basket. It's, uh, you know, uh, at least once or twice a game um, right. because of those, you know, quick drives to the basket where he's drawing contact. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, all that stuff adds up. So uh, I'm hopeful that, uh, like you said, maybe we can buy a couple games here along the way with some stolen minutes. Um, yeah. You know, and I'm sure the staff is aware of that because you do see at times where they do try to steal some minutes for him, yeah. you know, subbing him out right before a known, you know, TV timeout, those sorts of things. But Yeah, give him a 40-second break, but also give him the extra two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they do do a good job of that. So, uh, High Point and Mizzou will be our two opponents this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you might hear those two names and think that uh, Mizzou is the higher rated of the two teams. Yeah, but, no. man, they are struggling <laughs> this year. Um, I pulled up the Kim Palm ratings. High points at 126, and Mizzou is all the way down at 181. Um, so uh, the Mizzou game is on the road, I believe, right? Yes. Is, and is that a true road game in their mm-hmm. venue? Okay. Yeah, because they came and played here two years ago. Okay. So, um, you know, that that would be, at least in name, a nice road win for State if they can pick that up. Um, any any road wins if you're on the bubble look good. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, even if it's you know sisters of the poor, they look good. And high point, uh, they're eight and two. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be a pushover by any means. So no, they have the conference player of the year um, from last year, John Brown, and he is also maybe the best dunker in college basketball. So, um, well, I'll be John Brown. So, yeah. So they'll be <laughs> um, every time I hear John Brown, I think of um, and remember the Titans when he says something about John Brown State Troopers. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to that's going to pop into my mind like a hundred times something during the game. Um, but no, so, I mean, they, they have players. That's not mm-hmm. one of those. They're not going to be like a William and Mary. We were kind of like, how the heck do these guys beat us? Cause they're really well coached. They, they actually have, I think they have a pretty good second option too, if I recall correctly. So they're, you know, and obviously they'll have some local fans and mm-hmm. whatnot. So it, it's not just going to be one of those lazy days at the park. It's, that'll be a grinded out. You have to play pretty well game. Yeah. Um, they, uh, you know, but both, both team or both uh, games would be uh, important wins from state in this standpoint. That uh, you, if you drop one, heaven forbid, both of those, um, it really <laughs> starts to look bleak for making the tournament. Uh, you'd, you'd have to pretty much win. You, something would have to switch when conference play comes, where you suddenly are you know gangbusters, and then um, right. you know you finish the conference season three or four games above five hundred, um, right. which. Given the way the, the conference looks this year, um, you know, it, it at certain points I thought this was going to be one of the best years in the ACC in quite some time. It doesn't look like it's going to quite shape up to be that way. Yeah, but, it's uh, going to be a deeper league. I think the mm. the terrible teams aren't going to be as terrible. But yeah, you know, especially now that we know you know Meeks. I mean, he's only out for two weeks, but you know Jefferson. I don't know how long he's going to be out for Duke. Mm-hmm. So 
you could, you know, sneak up and beat some of these teams. You know, Duke is extremely young. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was shocked when people were putting them as cha- favorites to repeat, and all. I was like, I, they don't even really know what their positions are going to be yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and, you and, can, but you really can't afford to lose to these two teams. Right. So you, you don't want to suddenly put yourself in a position where you're, <clears throat> you know, and and it, we uh, sadly we may already be in this position already. Right. Um, but you don't want to have to be looking to the conference season to rescue you um, when it comes time to uh, playing yourself into the bubble discussion. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, uh, right now, um, if you offered me, you know, being on the bubble in March at, at or near the ACC tournament, I'd probably take it just because yeah. of where we're at right now. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, so... Uh, that's it, I guess, for now. You know, the we'll have those basketball games. Um, you know, the belt ball is still, uh, you know, about two weeks away at this point. Yeah. So, uh, we'll still have plenty of time to talk about that. So, uh, I don't think state wrestling, uh, knocked off another, uh, perennial power. I think they, I think they played like Grand Canyon or something. Okay. Um, the, which is, I know the basketball team's coached by Dan Marley, and that's all I got. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he of the uh, fantastic gif of him catching that uh, bouncing yeah. foul ball at a Diamondbacks game. Not not his three point shooting or anything. Right, just, right, right. Just, just the, you know, or, or being on Charles Barkley's team. It was no, the it's the gif. It's it's all about the the gif. God damn, is it gif or gif? Do you it's, say the guy said it was gif? The official creator, and that's what I've always said. Okay, well yeah. then, great. I'll stick with that because yeah. uh, it's. It's easy for me to remember because of the peanut butter. Yep, that's exactly it. <sighs> all right. Well, <laughs> glad we put that to rest as well as all the other stuff we talked about on this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, wow, that was a, an effortless hour, Matt. Uh, that was good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, we will, uh, again, thank the folks at Aminios, even though uh, we're not there tonight. We always do appreciate their support. Uh, mm-hmm. Please continue to um, patronize them and, and mention us whenever you go. And uh, we will see you next week there, hopefully. Uh, but if not, uh, we'll be in your earbuds or your uh, speakers uh, this time next week here on the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.